0: section 10 of satires this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org satires by juvenal translated by g g ramsay satire 9 the sorrows of a reprobate i should like to know nivalis why you so often look gloomy when i meet you knitting your brow like a vanquished marcius what have you to do with the look that ravela wore when caught playing that dirty trick with Radipi? if a slave takes a lick at the pastry he gets a thrashing for his pains why do you look as woebegone as Creparius polio when he goes round offering a triple rate of interest and can find no fool to trust him why have you suddenly developed those wrinkles you used to be an easily contented person who passed as a home-bred knight that could make biting jests at the dinner-table and tell witty town-bred stories but now you are a different man you have a hang-dog look your head is a forest of unkempt unanointed hair your skin has lost all the gloss that it got from squaths of hot brutian pitch and your legs are dirty and rough with sprouting hair why are you as thin as a chronic invalid in whom a quartan fever has long made its home one can detect in a sickly body the secret torments of the soul as also its joys the face takes on the stamp of either you seem therefore to have changed your mode of life and to be going in a way opposite to your past not long ago as i remember you were a gallant more notorious than aldeus you used to frequent the temple of isis and that of peace with its ganymede and the secret courts of the foreign mother for in what temple are there not frail fair ones to be found many men have found profit in my mode of life but i have made nothing substantial out of my labours i sometimes have a greasy cloak given me that will save my toga A coarse and crudely dyed garment that has been ill combed by the gallic weaver, or some trifle in silver of an inferior quality. Man is ruled by destiny, even those parts of him that lie beneath his clothes. What greater monster is there in the world than a miserly debauchee? I gave you this, says he, and then that, and later again ever so much more thus he makes a reckoning with his lusts well set out the counters call in the lads with the reckoning board count out five thousand sesterces all told and then enumerate my services i am less accounted of than the poor hind who ploughs his master's field you used to deem yourself a delicate and good-looking youth fit to be jove's own cup-bearer but will men like you who are unwilling to pay for your own morbid pleasures ever show a kindness to a poor follower or a slave a pretty fellow to have present sent him of green sunshades or big amber balls on a birthday or on the first day of showery spring when he lolls at full length in a huge easy chair counting over the secret gifts he has received upon the matron's day tell me you sparrow for whose benefit are you keeping all those hills and farms in apulia all those pasture lands that tire out the kites your stores are filled with rich grapes from your trifoline vineyards or from the slopes that look down upon Cumae, or the unpeopled Gaurus? whose vats seal up more vintages destined for long life than yours would it be a great matter to present a few acres to the loins of an exhausted client is it better think you that this country woman with her cottage and her babe and her pet dog should be bequeathed to a friend who plays the timbrels you're an impudent beggar you say yes but my rent cries on me to beg and so does my single slave lad as single as that big eye of polyphemus which helped the wily ulysses to make his escape and one slave is not enough i shall have to buy a second and feed them both what shall i do pray when the winter howls what shall i say to their shivering feet and shoulders when december's north wind blows shall i say hold on and wait till the grasshoppers arrive and though you ignore and pass by my other services what price do you put on this that were i not your true and devoted client your wife would still be a maid you know how often and in what ways you have asked that service of me and what promises you made to me there's many a household in which a union that was unstable ready to break up and all but dissolved has been saved by the intervention of a lover which way can you turn which service do you put first which last is it to be no merit you thankless and perfidious man none at all that i have presented you with a little son or daughter for you rear the children and love to spread abroad in the gazette the proofs of your virility hang up garlands over your door you are now a father i have given you something to set up against ill fame You have now parental rights through me you can be entered as an heir and receive a legacy entire with a nice little extra into the bargain to all which perquisites many more will be added if i make up your family to the full number of three indeed nivalus you have just cause of complaint but what has he got to say on the other side he takes no notice and looks out for another two-legged donkey like myself but remember my secrets are for your ears alone keep my complaints fast locked up in your own bosom it is a fatal thing to have for your enemy a man who keeps himself smooth by pumice stone the man who has lately entrusted me with a secret has a consuming hatred of me Believing I have revealed everything that I know, he will not hesitate to take up a sword or to lay open my head with a club or to put a lighted candle against my door. Nor can you disregard or make nothing of the fact that for a man of his means the price of poison is never high. So keep my secrets close as close as did the council of Areopagus. Oh, my poor Corridon. Do you suppose that a rich man has any secrets? Though his slaves hold their tongues, his beasts of burden and his dog will talk, his doorposts and his marble columns will tell tales. Let him shut the windows and close every chink with curtains. Let him fasten the doors, remove the light, turn every one out of the house and permit no one to sleep in it yet the tavern-keeper close by will know before dawn what he was doing at the second cock-crow he will hear also all the tales invented by the pastry-man by the head cook and the carver for what calumny will they hesitate to concoct against their masters when a slander will avenge them for their strappings nor will some tippling friend be wanting to look for you at the crossways and do what you will pour his drunken story into your ear so just ask those people to hold their tongues about the things you questioned me about just now why they would rather blab out a secret than drink as much stolen wine as Salfeya used to swill when conducting a public sacrifice there are many reasons for right living but the chiefest of them all is this that you need pay no attention to the talk of your slaves for the tongue is the worst part of a bad slave and yet worse still is the plight of a man who cannot escape from the talk of those whom he supports with his own bread and money your advice is excellent but it is vague what do you advise me to do now after all my lost time and disappointed hopes for the short span of our poor unhappy life is hurrying swiftly on like a flower to its close while we drink and call for chaplets for unguents and for maidens old ages creeping on us unperceived be not afraid so long as these seven hills of ours stand fast pathic friends will never fail you from every quarter in carriages and in ships those gentry who scratch their heads with one finger will flock in and you have always a further and better ground of hope if you fit your diet to your trade such maxims are for the fortunate my clotho and blackyses are well pleased if i can fill my belly with my labours Oh, my own little larrys whom i am wont to supplicate with a pinch of frankincense or corn or with a tiny garland when can i assure myself of what will keep my old days from the beggars staff and mat twenty thousand sestresses well secured some vessels of plain silver yet such as censor Fabricius would have condemned and a couple of stout moesian porters on whose hired necks i may be taken comfortably to my place in the bawling circus let me have besides a stooping engraver and a painter who will quickly dash off any number of likenesses enough this for a poor man like me it is a pitiful prayer and i have little hope even of that for whenever fortune is supplicated on my behalf she plugs her ears with wax fetched from that selfsame ship which escaped from the sicilian songstresses through the deafness of her crew End of Satire Nine.